While many people are focused on the trajectory of Colorado and how good they're going to be in 2023, whether it's eight wins, zero wins, who knows? I'm here to tell you why Coach Dion Prime Sanders is in the perfect scenario regardless of what happens, as long as he shows improvement. I'm going to tell you why on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked On Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba, as you can see right there. Today's episode, um, we're going to be talking about a few different things. We're going to be talking talking about why Coach Prime is in the perfect scenario, regardless of what happens, as long as he shows some improvement, a scenario I would call a win-win. We're going to talk about Cormani McLean and the big gear that he could have as a true freshman incoming five-star. And then we're going to talk about my power rankings for the Pac-12 prior to the season. Um, I'm going to do one in the middle of the season, and then I'll do one at the end of the season, obviously, so that way we could see where I was right and where I was wrong. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Buffs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, um, your team, every single day right here. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, I was seeing a lot of discussions, um, a lot of disagreements, too, about whether Coach Prime could succeed in year one. And I think we are looking at this, specifically those of us in the media, I think we think of success a lot of the times as winning season, losing season, no in between. But realistically, I think there's a special case here in Colorado because of how bad the program, um, how bad a shape it was left in by Carl Durrell. Obviously, Coach Prime came in, turned it around with his 50 transfers, 21 recruits and all that. And so he's training in the right direction. But I still think, and I talked about this yesterday, and some people got mad. I don't know why, but some people got upset. But realistically, I think Coach Prime is unfairly being criticized for what Carl Durrell did. So every article you ever read about Colorado, um, even probably mine, that the ones that I write to Athlon myself, they mention last year's record, 1-11. Um, they mention how bad that team was, how many struggles they had. And then they talk about Coach Prime and how he brought in a bunch of transfers. And they'll say he upgraded the roster, but... We don't know how they're gonna how good they're gonna be. Well, for one, to address that point before I continue, if he upgraded the roster, you you already know they're gonna be better than what they were last year. That's just that's just thinking with common sense. If he he literally got rid of just about every player from last year's roster, there's only 10 remaining scholarship players from last year's roster. Um, and I I would say there's a chance that maybe two or three of them are gonna start. Um so it's a brand new roster, new talent everywhere, much better talent everywhere. And you're telling me that you don't think it's going to succeed. That's that doesn't make sense. I think people are just nobody wants to be the person that's going to be like Colorado is going to have a great year in 2023, because obviously one, it kind of it touches on the wishful reporting that Dan Patrick talked about a while back, how people want Colorado to be good because it'd be such a good story Two, I think people are some some people might be too bought in to Coach Prime turns everything into gold, which I'm in that fine line in the middle. Um, I think he's going to succeed. I think he's going to succeed quickly, Um, but I don't know if it's going to be like 12 wins right away. I feel like that'd be a little, that'd be crazy. I would love to be proven wrong, but I feel like some people are like either end of the spectrum. I'll always be right in the middle. Um, But 
here's the thing. I think a lot of people are considering this Coach Prime experience as, oh, he has to succeed with a bowl game appearance, or he has to get eight wins to for it to be a successful season. Realistically, if he wins four or five games, that's still a greater success than last year. Um, last year, they were horrible. This year, they have the toughest schedule in the Pac-12. Um, the Pac-12 is arguably the deepest conference um, in all of college football. Um, I think the SEC usually holds that title, but realistically, outside of Alabama, Georgia, and LSU, there's nothing there in that the SEC where I'm like, that team would concern me um, going head-to-head. I think there's solid teams, but there's just not – there's not the same caliber of teams as there has been in the past. So the Pac-12 is as deep as it's ever been. The Colorado plays the best schedule in the Pac or the hardest schedule in the Pac-12. And we're still kind of hesitant to talk about what it would what a successful season could look like. So if he wins five games, um, that's a huge improvement. Um, that'll show people that while yes, he had obviously he didn't make a bowl game unless Colorado somehow gets in with the five wins due to academic stuff and not enough six win teams that's a whole thing that we'll get there when we get there if that ever happens but that would help him recruiting wise i think that would help establish that he knows what he's doing um obviously we already know those of us who have been following him know what he's doing but i think the biggest criticism i see of him from his time at jackson state which i mean it's fair but it also is not fair because i think it's all about talent acquisition and that's the industry he's in and he brought talent to colorado um, people criticize his Jackson State teams for just having better talent, um, as if that is a, a problem. I don't see Nick Saban catching those better talent team uh, criticism, criticism. Obviously, he's not Nick Saban. But here's the thing. How are you going to criticize someone for attracting talent to a program? I don't think that's that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, a lot of people, when they talk about his Jackson State tenure, they just say, he was just he just had better teams than everybody. That's called recruiting. That's called work in the transfer portal. Welcome to college football. Um, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you stay. Uh, realistically, that's what he's doing at Colorado. He's attracting talent. He's bringing in talent. And hopefully this talent all blends together and mesh as well. Um, new systems for everybody. But I really think this is a win-win scenario for him because, one, if he gets five wins, people are going to see the improvement. Um, recruits are going to be like, okay, there's improvement there um, because that's what our recruiting insider, Brian Smith, told us on this very show that recruits, whether it's from Florida, Texas, Georgia, wherever maybe, they just want to see him coach a team and they want to see that team improve, this Colorado team in particular. They want to see what the, the on-field product looks like before they start making major commitments because obviously it's one thing to get commits to Colorado before you coach a game. But things change a little bit when you're there at Colorado and they see the on-field product, whether it's fair or not, it's just how it works. Um, so he shows improvement. Recruits are like, okay, he could do this. I'm going to go there. Or he wins, say, eight games, um, which I projected six, maybe seven. Um, that's been my projection the whole time. Um, say he wins eight or nine games. Well, he's going to look like the best coach in college football. Um, he's going to win every possible coaching award. Uh, and Colorado is going to be a program on the rise immediately. It's going to be like going to be like that um, because realistically, nobody has expectations for them to be good. We don't know what to expect from them because there's so many new players on the roster. But if they win eight to nine games, Coach Prime is going to be uh, when those new coach when those coaching rankings come out the, at the end of the season, and it's like Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, uh, Brian Kelly, whoever, uh, Dabo Sweeney. 
uh, Coach Brown will probably be in the top 15 if he does that. Um, really, And then, obviously, it helps his recruiting, helps build his brand uh, even more, which is not that he needs help doing that, but that would be a major success for Colorado. So either way, it's a win-win scenario. And the more success he has, the more investment that the program, the boosters, everybody's going to invest into Colorado if they haven't already. Um, but there's realistically the only way for this season to be considered a failure is if Colorado wins like two games, um, which I, I think in the first month alone, they should accomplish that feat. Um, they have, I think they could beat Nebraska. I think they beat Colorado state. So I think that's a very achievable mark. And so I think there's a lot of excitement, um, as there should be. Um, and I think there's a lot of not people, people not realizing how, much of a success that he could have in year one. Um, so I look forward to seeing what he accomplishes. Um, and I look forward to kind of the, how the narrative changes throughout the year. Um, but yeah, this episode, by the way, is brought to you by our sponsor, FanDuel. Um, take your first swing at bat- betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you could spend betting everything from money lines to over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So go ahead and sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, we talked about why it's a win-win scenario, why Coach Prime is poised to, why he's in the perfect scenario at Colorado. He's got nothing, only way you go is up. Um, He's going to get more and more resources and more and more talent coming his way as long as he has some success in Boulder, which we all know, we all think he's going to. Um, One of his success stories already in Colorado, at Colorado, was landing five-star corner Cormani McClain. Um, one of the top players in the country. I believe he finished the year ranked 13th, according to 24-7. He was listed as a freshman who, a true freshman, who could, who you need to watch in the 2023 season. Um, He joins names like, let's see, uh, Zalance Hurd of the offense lineman at LSU, John Walker at UCF, um, Keldrick Falk, uh, linebacker at Auburn, Arian Carter, Carter, excuse me, Tennessee linebacker, uh, Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver, Notre Dame. Um, a lot of good players here. Carnell Tate, wide receiver, Ohio State. Um, a lot of great names here. And he joins them. And it's no shock here. Um, realistically, I think I think a lot of the buzz around Colorado has been about their transfers. And I think a lot of people forget that Colorado did sign the number 21 recruiting class in the country, which he did so, Coach Prime did, in about – five minutes on the job um realistically i think he took the colorado job uh just days before early signing or before signing day and all of a sudden he had to put together a recruiting class and not only did he tell recruits that carl durell had landed that he was i mean he kind of wanted to bring in transfers so he kind of showed that message to everybody but he was still able to go out there and get some top top tier guys um, and one of those guys, and this guy headlines the class, is five-star Cormani McLean. Um, he was at one point a Miami or Florida guy. Um, didn't really know where he was going. Then when he was supposed to sign, he was nowhere to be found. Coaches were showing up and were like, where's Cormani? 
Well, Cormani was getting flipped to Colorado um, for the second straight year, obviously, because Coach Prime was able to flip Travis Hunter from Jackson State. So um, this is what the evaluation of Cormani is. Um, and like I said, the incoming tra- transfer class has kind of, I don't want to say it's taken away the attention, but it's kind of taken away the attention just because there's so many of them. People haven't really been focusing on the fact that Colorado can recruit. By the way, um, before I talk about continue talking about Cormani McLean, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Locked on Buffs and making it your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, so I appreciate all your subscribes, all your subscriptions, all your comments. I appreciate all of them. Um, my everyday listeners, my everyday is what I call them. Don't miss Friday's episode. We're going we're gonna to have some huge guests coming up in July. We have Max Brown, um, former USC quarterback, Pac-12 personality, coming on the show to talk about the challenges that Shadur could face and kind of the overall expectations around Colorado. Um, so, yeah, back to Cormani. Like I said, um, maybe a little bit too overshadowed. Um, plus, we haven't seen him in any of the well-off media videos up until this past week because um, he just recently got to campus and he's currently uh, he's struggling with that altitude. <laughs> um, he's struggling, as I'm, as I'm sure most people do. I know I myself, when I was walking up the hill, because when I went to the spring game, I stayed in a hotel that was like half a mile away from, call, from the um, football stadium. So to get there, I walk around, had to walk up a hill. And you know what? That that high altitude kind of took took my breath away. So um, I can't imagine what intense workouts uh, will do to you because I was just walking, um, walking through the snow. I can't imagine what running and sprinting, doing all these weightlifting stuff, all the weightlifting stuff they've been doing will do to you. But once he adjusts to the altitude, he'll be just fine. Um, the belief around Cormani is that he'll see the field as a freshman and he's going to be tested right away. The Pac-12 has some of the best receivers in the country, and obviously they have some of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, I think it's a good, interesting pairing with Travis Hunter and Cormani, um, two guys that are former five stars, and a guy in Cormani that has a lot to prove, and a guy in Travis who, while he does have some of the best ball skills we've ever seen, hasn't played at the Power 5 level, so it'll be interesting. And then there's also guys like Omarion Cooper, um, Kenrick Breedlove from Ole Miss, trans. Cooper's from Florida State, excuse me. Breedlove from Ole Miss. Transfers that people expect to have an impact right away. But I think Cormani, if he's not starting right away, I think he'll be in the rotation. And then I think he'll work his way into the starting lineup by, say, week four. Um, I I just feel like once he catches up with the playbook and conditioning and all that, he'll be fine. But if he doesn't start right away, he'll definitely be a starter eventually. Um, I don't think you bring in a top talent like that and not utilize him. But Cormani is, he has the potential to form arguably the most entertaining uh, corner duo in college football that we've ever seen. I'm trying to think, I was trying to think of this. So comment below if you guys know of any, where you think of it and you're like, oh, wow, they have that many good defensive backs, like on the same, like maybe Ohio State back in the day, LSU. I know LSU had some good ones, but I'm trying to think of like two corners where it's just like, dang. You got pick your poison. And you just got to hope they don't lock you down because that's that's the energy that Colorado's coming into this next season with, and you love to see it. Um, I'm expecting a big things from Cormani McLean, and I think he will be one of the better freshmen out there in the country. Um, so just got to keep your eyes peeled for number one is the number that he's wearing. Um, so that's exciting as well because obviously Coach Prime thinks very highly of him because one of the things he said was that he will not be wearing or he will not be dishing out number one to guys who don't deserve it. When we come back from the break. I'm going to be talking about my power rankings for the Pac-12, my preseason power rankings. Uh, I'm going to break down each team and why I think they are where they are and 
which teams I think could be on the rise um, when we come back. Welcome back. We are talking about my Pac-12 power rankings. Um, I'm going to run you through the list um, one by one, and I'll give you a breakdown of why I think they these teams are where they are. Um, so let's dive right into it, shall we? Um, up first, I'll start from top to bottom. We have USC. Um, I think realistically they should make the playoff um, if everything goes right for them. They have the talent. They have the coaching. Um, and I think the pressure's on for their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. I think he's kind of on the hot seat. So if their defense is able to hold up, uh, then I think they have potential. My number two is Washington. Um, Washington returned their quarterback, their offensive coordinator, who they were able to retain despite Alabama being after him. And then they return all their elite receivers. If they could just be a little bit improved on defense and not slip up like they did last year, Washington will be right there. Uh, number three, Oregon State. I think Oregon State has was a quarterback away from being in the Pac-12 championship and maybe even the playoff last year. Uh, they had really good running attack, and they had a really good defense. Um, their quarterback play was pretty average. Number four, Oregon. Um, I think Bo Nix has a lot to prove without Kenny Dillingham, and that's why I have him in four um, until he shows me that he could be the guy we saw last year without Kenny Dillingham on the side or in the booth calling plays for him. I'm going to hold my breath on him. Uh, that brings us brings us to number five. We got Utah. I think Utah, um, they're looking to three-peat. They lost some talented guys. Um, but against power conference teams who aren't USC, who they beat twice, um, the Utah Utah went just six and four, and they're zero and three against ranked opponents. Um, I just feel like they kind of they never beat the teams that they need to beat to kind of establish themselves. Um, so that's why I have them so low. So I have U or USC Washington, um, excuse me, Oregon State, and then Oregon at four, Utah at five. Um, let's go to six, where I have UCLA. Um, I think they have a solid team. The only question mark for me is quarterback. Um, whoever their quarterback is, I think they have the benefit of DTR, um, which is the DTR effect, which is he kind of figured it out for them. And so now UCLA is trending in the right direction. They attract more talent. Um, so now the next quarterback just has to step in and not mess up, which, I mean, easier said than done. Uh, number seven, I'm going to go with Washington State. Um, I'm very high on Cam Ward. Um, I think he has a lot of potential. I think there's a reason that he was one of the most sought-after quarterbacks last year um, in the transfer portal. I just think that he needed a little more time to learn the system and get familiar with his teammates and obviously, honestly just learn that he's not at the FCS level anymore and he can't just force everything um, and rely on his arm talent. Um, number eight, Arizona. Um, I think the, the Wildcats are poised to make a bowl game this year. I'm very high on them, very high on Jaden Delora as a player, um, his off-the-field stuff. Oof. Um, number nine, this is where it gets a little tricky because I think my, my last few teams here, I disagree with most people. Um, I'm going to go with Colorado at number nine. Um, I have them over teams like Arizona state, um, and Cal. I think Colorado has better quarterbacks than both of them. I think they have better skill position players, um, and better coaching, uh, all around as a staff. I think it just comes down to, how well can they survive their tough schedule? Um, and yeah, so Colorado nine, 
Give me Cal at 10. Um, I think Cal's quarterback situation is a little murky for me. Um, they do have a new offensive coordinator and Jake Spavadol, who I do like, but kind of want to see them all come together. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's see. So that puts us at number 11, um, Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona State at 11. New coach, um, quarterback issues, I guess you could say. Um, they just have a lot of changes going on down there in Tempe as well. Um, I just don't know. I'm not as confident in Drew Pine or Jane Rashada as I am in Shadur Sanders or Cal's offensive play calling. Plus, they have, Cal has Jaden Knott, so just hand him the ball and you should be fine. And then lastly, 12, I have Stanford, who I think Stanford in a couple of years will be really good. Um, but they have a lot of roster reconstruction that they need to focus on. So that'll be interesting to see how they kind of look um, in the coming seasons. But those are my my top 12, my power rankings for the preseason. I look forward to doing a middle of the pa- or middle of the season one, and we'll see where I'm right and where I'm wrong. I look forward to hopefully being right on all of them. Um, I also look forward to seeing you guys, your guys' responses to this episode in the comments. Um, make sure to tune in, like, subscribe, follow. I appreciate all the support that you guys give me. This has been another great episode of Locked on Bus. I'm your host, Kevin Borba, and make sure to tune in um, as we continue on this great journey. Have a great day.